And now, right to your host of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Welcome, everyone, to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. Hello there. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape and Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Hello there, Matthew. Hello, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And it is the beginning of June, a new month here. And we are kicking off this new month on Down the Garden Path with an inside look to our new book. Yes, our new book, Down the Garden Path, a step-by-step guide to your Ontario garden. If you haven't seen the book yet, we've decided to go live on our Facebook group at the Down sorry, I should read properly, everybody, at <laughs> Down the Garden Path podcast to show it off. And so if you're not on Facebook, we still love to hear from you. As always, send us your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com. We will still be answering your emails. Absolutely. But if you do want to join us on Facebook Live, we would love to see you there too. Right, Matt? That's right. All you got to do to join the Facebook Live is search Down the Garden Path Podcast, uh, and you'll see our group at Down the Garden Path Podcast, and we are broadcasting live. The last time we did this, we tried to do Christmas urns live in studio. Oh, I know, eh? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, oh, uh, no, but we also tried apples, right? We Didn't we have Susan, and we tried doing apple testing, apple tasting, too. We tried that. That's true as well. That's true as well. So, Thank you, everybody, for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. Thank you as well. If you've downloaded the podcast, you're listening to this someone else. And uh, thank you, everybody, who's joining us live. We see some comments and some likes there already. Thank you, everybody. So, yeah, we are here to talk about our latest labor of love, the one that comes after the podcast, obviously. (laughs) I thought you were going to say our latest book. And I'm like, wait a minute, we only have one. (laughs) So yes, our latest labor of love, which, you know, really thanks to the podcast a lot uh, in a lot of ways, right, Matt? That's right. That's right. And I think we've been doing this. I've been with you. I think this is year four or five now. Five, I think. Yeah. Right. And uh, we started doing, I think, kind of picking up on what you had done a kind of review of what to do every month, that month in the garden. Mm -hmm. And that was one of our most popular series of shows. Uh, You know, right now, or last week, we would have done June in the garden. We'd be talking all about things in June. So I think we've kind of, our idea was to put all of these notes and all this wonderful information that everybody loved uh, together and kind of distill our knowledge and experience into one reliable source and uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback from all of our listeners over the years about mm-hmm. when are you going to do a book? Is there a book? Uh, and then there finally is a book available now mm-hmm. on Amazon. That's right. All you have to do is go to your Amazon.ca or .com page and search down the Garden Path podcast. It's the pretty purple one that says down the Garden <laughs> Path, a step-by-step guide to your Ontario garden. Yeah, and I think the step-by-step part is is what makes it different, right? And I think I also found, um, you know, my, I have a newsletter with my business, so I've been a landscape designer for a long time, and I found that um, clients, right when you're finished a landscape, you tell them, okay, this is what you do with this, and this is what you do with that, but not all of that has to happen then, or remember in spring, you need to do this to it, or remember, and so I would often get questions late, like a, a year later saying, okay, it's May, what do I do with this, and what do I do with that, and and so I, you know, that's where my newsletter was born, and it was really quick, and and it was, te- because I couldn't respond to everybody, so it was really, um, just every, the information doesn't really change, right, Matt, like it's, it's there from season to season, but it's, I think it's the timing and because, you know, thanks to climate change and different seasons, you know, it, it, there's a little bit of, um, 
movement between between months a little bit. Um, but I found that my um, my clients, my past clients and my newsletter people loved it because it just they didn't have to remember what to, they had to do in the whole yard. They just had to remember what they had to do right now, like the first weekend, you know, in the month, this is what they needed to do. And then that translated to, like you said, really successful podcast shows when we started doing that the last um, Monday of the month, we would say what you need to do in the, in the next month. And those were also popular. So I think it really helped us realize that, you know, there's a lot of books out there for, for advice that give advice. And there's a lot of websites and there's a lot of Facebook groups that give advice, but it's, it's the timing of it. It's like, okay, what do I do now for my shrubs, for my lawn? We joke on the show that regardless of what our topic is, regardless of what our guest is speaking about, there's always a lawn question, right, Matt? Always a lawn question. <laughs> always a lawn question. So I think that's really what helped us um, guide us into the, in this creating this book, right? Is that we have those categories um, in people's yards, you know, from seeds and bulbs to annuals and perennials to trees and shrubs and evergreens. Exactly. It's all about timing and speaking, building on your, your lawn comment. Carol has written in, hello, Joanne and Matt. Very cool. Congrats on the book. Matt, can I rake my leaves now? Huh. <laughs> yes, Carol, please do. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you might want to be blowing those into the garden now just to decompose, Carol. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yes, and so this book has come around and, and I think it's just packed full of amazing tips uh, and advice. And I've had some feedback already, some people who are, uh, are really love enjoy it as well. That's so speaking right. of which, of joining us, don't forget you can send us your questions, your gardening questions to in this evening at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our group. If you search Down the Garden Path Podcast, we love posting pictures, sharing articles, funny comics, etc. When we're not here live on the air, uh, on Reality Radio 101. So you can always join the conversation and talk with us there afterwards. So send us your questions, whether you're in Facebook Live or you are just listening uh, as we every do every week. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a couple people who have written in. We've got another Carol. There was another first Carol and second Carol. Uh, <laughs> Carol says, hi, Joanne and Matt. Congratulations on your book. It will make a great Christmas gift for our lives, for the people in our lives. And thank you, Carol. So yes, yes. Uh, get yours now. Give it as a <laughs> gift. Birthdays, Christmas, for sure. Father's Day. Father's Day is coming up. Father's Day is coming mm -hmm. up. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, Father's Day is my father's birthday. So uh, it's always, oh, that's so funny. So is he the 19th? Because my son, Matthew, is the 20th. So sometimes it's, right? It moves a bit. Yeah, he's on the 18th. So it's, 18th, okay. I always think that time is dad's birthday versus Father's yes. Day, per se. Yeah. <laughs> so Monica has also written in. Uh, Monica says, hi, Joanne and Matthew. Wow, the book, finally. Any book giveaways in the future planned? Thank you. And yes, Monica, excellent question. Uh, we are doing, uh, planning on some nice giveaways. Uh, we're going to have some signed copies. We're working on producing some other swag, some stickers, tote bags, etc., cetera, uh, to put with your book and mm -hmm. the t-shirts that we have as well. So yes, there are going to be some book giveaways uh, in the future. We are just um, getting our book. We've just launched, I think it was m last Monday yes. uh, or Sunday. So we have our copies that we actually had to buy on Amazon ourselves just to get them in hand quick enough. But our <laughs> massive amount of author copies are on their way. Uh, so yes, we will be having lots of giveaways. Monica. That's right. They apparently put the author copies on the slow train, Monica. So the donkey <laughs> is walking it to us. So we have to wait a little bit longer, but uh, we're looking forward to to getting those. And then later in the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be doing some different promos. So um, watch for and listen in here as well as uh, our social media um, to hear more. That's right. Uh, Oh, go ahead. 
Oh, sorry. I, I'm not used to the Zoom screen. and the I know. Screens. Everybody's got to bear with us, right? Because we've got more screens than we're, no, we're, we're used to. And the, I'm scared to look at the Facebook screen because I'm going to be totally distracted. So, <laughs> uh, Well, I'm just looking at Nancy has written in and says, gifts, such a good idea. Congrats to you two. Uh, and thank you, Nancy. Thank you for writing in and thank you for joining us on Facebook Live. Yes, thank you. So speaking of some questions, we do have a few other questions who have uh, our listeners, our lovely listeners who have written in. Uh, John, oh, John has written in. Hi, Matt and Joanne. Always a pleasure, if I can read, to listen to you when I can. What do you think of liquid fertilizers, the kind that are hooked up to a hose? I have this type of fertilizer for my grass and my plants. Are they okay to use? Mm. Thanks. Great question. We have it. I think that's a first. That is a first. I think that we've talked about um, the ones that are hooked up hooked up to your hose. We often see. I think the main one out there is Miracle Grow right now, mm-hmm. uh, and they've got the two forms where you can buy a little like miniature five hundred mils or one liter pop bottle like attachments that screw into the end of your hose. Uh, so you buy like the gun and you buy the refill cartridges that looks like the pop bottles and it is a concentrate and you screw it in and then it dilutes it. So as your water comes through the hose, it draws your fertilizers, waters them in. You can also find them often as well, again, especially from miracle Grow, with the powder in it and it injects water into that typical kind of spray gun that you attach to your hose and then you water it in. So yeah, John, definitely both. Are, are perfectly okay. Remember that liquid fertilizers are dissolved in water, water soluble. So as they enter your soil solution again, when they become wet uh, or you water next, or if it rains like it's going to do all day tomorrow, it will be redissolved into the soil solution and leached away or moved in the soil. So if you've done it today and you're going to be having another day like we are of full rain in the GTA, you're going to lose some of that away mm. uh, to the, the water as it passes from the environment and into the soil and down through the soil. So mm-hmm. always just watch when you water or don't go out and water immediately after just so you get the most kick out of it. But yeah, definitely. Um, you can definitely use those for your, your lawns and your plants. Just make sure again that the soil is not dry, bone dry. Uh, they are salts and you can damage your roots. So moisten it up first, water it in, let it bond and let her drink away. And, and that's sometimes, right, those feeders or those, um, those attachments to the hose sometimes have that where they want you to just use plain water first, right, and, and spray it out around with the plain water. And then you turn the dial and then it starts to um, yes. mix the ingredients. Because I, um, do you remember we had the mosquito barrier? So a few weeks ago, um, so I tried that this weekend and that was very much that same kind of idea. Right. Where they said, you know, run it, you know, wet the barrier, you know, wet the perimeter of your yard, then turn it on to on. So then then it distributes. So for that very, very reason. Right. Exactly. They built it in so you don't have to take it off water, put it back on, make sure it's all. Exactly. Yeah. Some of the old nematode sprayers have the same thing. Right. You could just do it as you go. Yes. And I also want to mention um, the Ross Roots Feeder. So, so in addition to, to doing your lawn and your plants, this is one where it's very much similar, except they're pellets, right? That you put into this, it's like a, a rod, metal rod, and, and with an attachment at the top, and you put pellets in, and then you can basically, so now you're putting the water, you're putting the rod around the roots, and um, if you knew, if you have our book, you can see where the drip line is for your roots <laughs> and your trees, because we've got a diagram for that. And, and then you're turning the water on and then the water is giving you fertilizer right at the roots of your trees. So a good way to kind of rejuvenate a tree that might be um, going through a bit of trauma, um, not necessarily a brand new tree, but um, um, sometimes our street trees take a ton of abuse, right? So sometimes mm-hmm. re- rejuvenating them. So that's just another way to have something that's water soluble and goes right to the roots. Yeah, excellent. And again, you can always water your tree with your root feeders without having any of the fertilizer in it. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah. Right. Good you can point. take those pellets mm-hmm. out and just give it some good water if that's all it needs to go. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent addition. Um, just looking over at Facebook Live. 
Uh, people are still coming and going. Nadia, Nadia, Nancy, Janet. Oh my goodness. So yeah, that's great. Thank you guys for, for watching and uh, bear with us as we're trying to navigate these screens. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that's great. Uh, so thank you for listening and joining us here, listening to us talk about our book um, and answering any questions you may have. So just like a regular Monday night, Matt and I uh, love answering your questions and talking about gardening and keeping your gardens as low maintenance as possible. That's right. And that's why you should pick up our brand new book that we are <laughs> celebrating this evening down the garden path, the step-by-step -step guide to your Ontario garden. Am I Vanna? Am I Vanna? Uh, yeah, do Vanna. your little Vanna. <laughs> <laughs> can I buy an E? Um, yeah, so don't forget you can see all the different timely tips uh, throughout the seasons, whether you're in a zone five garden uh, or six garden like we are here in the GTA, uh, or you're a little further north or a little further south. The tips still apply, but the timing mm -hmm. might just be slightly off. So still packed with lots of great information, whether you're in a zone two or you're in a zone eight. Mm -hmm. uh, there's still lots to go. The plants change just because of hardiness, but yeah, lots of great info. Yeah. And as I mentioned before there, because things, you know, year to year, the seasons change a little bit. Um, there is some repetition, you know, so sometimes mm -hmm. there's, we give you what to do in April, but sometimes, you know, the April is warmer than, you know, expected or cooler than expected. And so now you're doing, you know, May, May tasks a little bit earlier or March tasks a little bit later, that type of thing. So, so that is something to keep in mind that it's not, you know, when the month changes, it doesn't mean the weather and the plants just jump and, and change. So we felt <laughs> like, you know, we, we kind of give it's, it's a real um, loose, I, I guess, like, I don't know how else to describe it. But, uh, you know, so in April, we might tell you to do something and then in May we might also tell you to do it to do it because it just really depends on the season and uh and the year because it changes so so much so uh so yeah and I know one of the popular things if we wanted to spend a bit of time just talking about the June section because we're here at the beginning of June right and um the bulbs are all finishing so I noticed a lot on social media and some friends and some neighbors have said you know okay now my daffodils are done my tulips are done what do I do do I really have to wait um, can I dig them up or do I have to wait for the foliage to die? And, um, and so that is something that we cover in the book. And yes, you do. It is better for your plants, uh, for your bulbs to let the leaves die naturally. There are some people that will dig them up. They don't want them and let them die naturally outside of the yard, right? Or right side of the soil, right, Matt? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's good to keep them in place and, and that is why it's really important to, to, to think forward and plant something in front of it. So, you know, always having a plan for a perennials to grow up in front so that you don't see the foli foliage uh, deteriorating. And when the foliage is gone completely yellow, then you can cut it um, and maybe sprinkle some bone meal or some blood meal and um, bone meal. Bone meal? Blood meal to repel. Okay. <laughs> so Bone meal a little earlier to feed the bulb. And that's to why feed we the bulb. The yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. And so this is, if you are finding that you do, or your, your uh, bulbs are too visible, then now's a good time to maybe take some pictures and then plan for having something in front of those bulbs next year or by the fall. So then next year that won't happen. You won't really have, have that uh, problem. The bulbs will just be dying behind the thing, the new plants that have grown up in front of it, Japanese anemones, roseanne geranium, something like that, that's going to hides the bulbs and that we've got some more questions that's right yeah we've got uh, a number of questions uh janet has written in from facebook live hi matt and joanne your book mentions sterilizing your garden tools what do you recommend to use yeah just some regular uh like a 10 to 1 bleach to water or sorry water to bleach <laughs> 10 parts water, one part bleach. Let's reverse that. Uh, or rubbing alcohol will sterilize the bacteria or the other pathogens uh, that might be on your tools. You want to make sure that when you're cutting between plants, you are sterilizing. You don't want to transmit anything. Uh, their sap, much like our blood, can carry pathogens mm -hmm. and other harmful diseases or vectors of of disease. So we want to make sure we disinfect with that. I have also used uh, in a pinch, uh, just like the Lysol wipes or the Clorox wipes, oh, okay. kind of wipe it down. I have one, I'm doing some quick cutting. I like to maybe rinse it off or let it dry a little bit. So I don't have that mm -hmm. cutting right into it nice and strong. Uh, but I've also used that in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, good question. Good Thank you, Janet. Mm -hmm. 
still looking at Facebook Live, uh, which if you'd like to join us on Facebook Live, maybe you don't know what we look like and you've been listening for years, you could tune in uh, at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there on Facebook. Uh, don't forget to join the group. Uh, join the podcast or the live feed, ask some questions, and uh, stay tuned later for more promotions and tips and fun stuff when we're not mm-hmm. on the air. Uh, but Natty had written you as well uh, earlier, and she says she has got her book last week. Very excited to read it through. Yeah. So thank you again, Nadia, for picking up the book. And Josh's question, Matt, is, um, is it too late to start any vegetables here in the GTA by seeds? Thanks. And sell them bleep books. I think we, we're barred from swearing, <laughs> Matt and Josh, sorry. <laughs> On our Facebook Live. That's right. People play um, so yeah, so that it's funny because I've been noticing that it's been a bit of a discussion. People have said that there are seeds that they started inside, they're cucumber seeds, and the seeds that they started outside are pretty much at the same point now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know what, Josh? I'm even still planting some things outside. I just started um, some marigolds, some other greens, uh, just to kind of keep things mm-hmm. growing. But yeah, there are things like radishes, kales, uh, zinnias, sunflowers, lettuces, Spinach. yeah, lettuces, spinaches, a lot of greens that we can still plant outside. Mm-hmm. Now, you could even like me, Josh, I was very bad. Um, I've got one tomato plant I, I bought and I want to start another and I'm late on starting. Luckily, it's it's an indeterminate. So uh, it should give me some, but if you needed to start something like a tomato or a pepper or something that needed 120 days or plus to maturity, you're pushing it into fall where you might lose mm. some of it to the frost, or you might not get a full crop or full maturity out of it. Uh, so you can do it, but just watch those, those dates, um, for to whether or no you're not, you're mm. actually going to be able to do it. My okay. indeterminate tomatoes, I find that once mine hit about two feet to three feet um which is usually fairly quickly uh they are going to give me lots of little trusses of little cherry tomatoes basically until the fall comes and goes whereas a determinant type meaning that you know they have a certain size and shape and then all the tomatoes come all scheduled at once again you'd have to watch for something like uh, an early girl or someone who's very early Mm -hmm. who's only like that 70 to 90 days within the season so that you can get it. Mm-hmm. But there are shorter, like, cause even carrots, right? Cause you can do succession yeah. planting. So carrots, radishes, beets, there are, and, and many of the leafy greens. So, um, so yeah, so there are some things you can still um, start. And the, the garden centers, I know everybody thinks if you don't get your vegetables on the May 2 4 weekend, you're not, you're not going to be able to find them at the, at the garden center. But I think they've caught on to the demand and you will, find them they are a little pricey this year but uh you know with fuel and yeah yeah everything going up that kind of thing so yeah so definitely check take a look for josh for you and for all of our listeners one of my favorite resources uh comes from west coast seeds so it's a canadian seed company obviously from the west coast but (laughs) they have some great uh seed starting guides and tips Mm -hmm. uh and charts as well as one of our favorite guests here on the That's show, right. Julia Demacos mm-hmm. at juliademacos.com has an amazing um, group of amazing vegetable resources. She just launched her own ebook uh, a few months ago on how to start a veggie garden. And she's got lots of different tips and tricks and advice and what to start when here, Josh, in um, Southern Ontario and the yeah. region. So definitely check out juliademacos.com for all of your veggie needs. I have subscribed to her and I've literally bought everything that she has on her website <laughs> and I love it. Yes. Uh, and, and those are the tomatoes that I grew, Matt. <laughs> so I bought two kinds of um, cherry tomatoes from her. Um, uh, I forget the actual names, but I know one is pink and one is yellow. <laughs> so I um, to, So I actually have extra plants. If you need them, I have extra. <gasps> Because oh, I, yes, I put I, I grew them all and then I don't have all room in the garden. So I think we have to hook up. I gotta hook you up with these plants. So because yes, um, I need to get in the ground somewhere because I'm trying to keep them alive now in there and they're uh, in their red solo cups. I put that's where oh. I they ended up. I when I went from my seed tray, I the only thing I had around the house was I punched holes in the bottom of those lovely red solo cups. So hey, what you you can use what you've got, right? That's uh, right. That's right. So I we've can... got a few more questions. 
um, grow bags. Yeah. Yeah. Fred so written in. yeah. So Fred has written in and saying, what are grow bags and how do you use them? Yeah. So basically they're collapsible fabric bags uh, that allow air and moisture to pass through the bag. One of the benefits is as roots hit that side of that airbag, as they try to go through it, they hit just pure air and the air prunes them back. They die. They don't like to be out and fully exposed in air. They need to be in that soil. So it prunes that tip back and causes those roots to break and start to fill in nice and fibrous uh, inside the grow bag itself. But it's a great reusable uh, fabric bag. They come in all the classic sizes, one, two, uh, three, five, seven gallons. You often see them uh, with some hydroponics as well and in some quar forms. But yeah, Fred, uh, if you can find them, they are uh, wonderful, easy to reuse. Uh, you get a number of years and seasons out of them, depending on how uh, well you take care of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, you can reuse them. A great alternative to plastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ooh. definitely. Definitely. Um, and uh, Harry's written a good question. I thought this was funny. So he says, is there anywhere online that tells a description about your book? Thank you. Harry, I would say right now. <laughs> That's us. Um, we we're talking about our book down the garden path. You can check it out on Amazon as well. There's a really good um, a description there as well as we already have a, a couple of reviews. So, um, so some people that have already received it and, and read it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so hopefully that helps, um, as well as our own social media that we've been talking about it for the last little bit. Um, yeah, so there you go. Exactly. So stay tuned because we are still going to dive in to uh, a little bit about the book. We are going to also post some more pictures to, uh, I think Amazon and show a few, uh, shots about inside the book. So stay tuned there as well. As we hit the half past uh, part of the show, halfway through the show, it's my turn to jump in for our mid-station or mid-show station ID. Uh, and just for me to say thank you, everybody, for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. And I'm going to say as well, thank you for those who are tuning in, uh, A, to the podcast, but B, tonight we are live on Facebook at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle if you want to join us there, perhaps. Mm. You've heard the voice, but you've never seen the faces. Uh, so tune in there. And you can also find it on our page later if you want to come back and review and visit or share the conversation. But I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Again, our handle there is at Down the Garden Path Podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, hit that subscribe button to be notified mm -hmm. of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from our many listeners across North America. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. And thank you for all of those who are listening now live on the podcast, uh, whenever you are. So don't forget, you can always write us here at instudio101 at gmail.com, but you can also find us online. You can find Joanne at www.down2earth.ca, and you can find myself as well, www.naturalaffinity.ca. The listener questions keep piling in. They do. They do. Going? Yeah. So I have uh, Monica, uh, Monique here. She says, congrats on the new book. Um, she's an email. I will be ordering a copy or two. Can you sign them if requested? Absolutely. We haven't quite figured out how to do it yet, but we will. So uh, you let us know um, if you want that to happen. Um, again, you just got all that email uh, information to contact us and we would love to do that, Monique. So thank you very much uh, for Most buying the certainly. book. Yes. Thank you so much, Monique, for purchasing the book. Mm -hmm. Cindy has written a question in as well. Uh, hi, guys. I got confused. There's another book published called Down the Garden Path as well. 
Did you know about that? There was an older book I did see on Amazon that was just down the garden. Yeah, path. I think there's actually a couple. Yeah. And I think one isn't even a garden. I think it's not even a gardening book. Like, I think it's just a story about a path or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick a title that no one has ever used before. That's right. So, Cindy, and for everybody, ours is the beautiful purple book with lots of the perennials on it, Down the Garden Path, a step-by-step guide to your Ontario garden mm-hmm. or your garden anywhere but just remembering that the timing is a little off if you're here versus California that's right that's <laughs> right that's right so um so just looking at Facebook live my mm. good friend Nadia has written in another has written in a question Matt um two DeGroot cedars uh, that they planted early last year um we wrapped them in burlap for the winter months this spring we noticed that one of the cedars is going brown on one side of the lower third of the cedar what can I do to help it recover yeah, uh, hard to say without seeing it, but if it's just brown on the outside, you could lightly shear it and let it come out. Um, just expose some more of that vigorous growth, get the sun in there. We can still uh, fertilize a little bit more right now with the 30-10-10, something mm-hmm. that's uh, more evergreen specific. You can often see miracle Grow or NIC, um, or um, I think I just messed that up. That's an insect company. Uh, but um, CIL, that's what I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, there do. you go. <laughs> With Another three letters. You know, Another those three letters, letters, right? Those three gardening letters. NPK. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then just try to make sure that it, you know, it gets through the summer with little stress. Uh, make sure it's, it's gotten some food until about mid to end of June. Uh, and beginning of July, around Canada Day, we want to kind of slow on the high nitrogen fertilizer, especially. Mm-hmm. Just to hopefully encourage it to come back if it's completely died right into the core she might regenerate uh being young but she's going to be a little weird or a little lopsided mm-hmm. for a bit but yeah 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 if up. you can send us Nadia, if you can send us a, a photo or post it i don't know if that facebook live lets you post a picture or you can send it to our email address and we can take a look too because i think if, is it against a fence is there some other things happening there um we can we can take a better look and uh, and uh, figure that out for you so uh so yeah so thank you for your question Yes, thank you, Nadia. Vesna is also in Facebook Live right now. Congratulations on your book. Thank you very much. Can you please show the cover of the book so we know uh, to order the right one? Many thanks. And uh, excellent. Yes, I don't know if we are showing off the book enough. This is it beautiful? Uh, I can't see my screen right now. So yeah, I don't know if I'm seeing it right. But uh, the beautiful, there we go. Uh, nice and purple with down the garden path, a little green underline with our, our names on it. Uh, so great yeah, photo. and we even have the po- the podcast logo, so you can look for that, right, Matt? That's right, as well. And we've got lots of photos in the feed as well for the book. So take a look at our our latest posts. Uh, but excellent uh, comment and question. Thank you very much, Vesta. We've got some still some listener questions popping in. Uh, <laughs> Rita has written. Yeah, in an email. Rita, Rita found the book. Rita found <laughs> the book. Found the book. <laughs> she sent us a cover and says, hey, did you see this book out? It looks awesome. Thank you, Rita. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rita. <laughs> Excellent. John and doesn't Bolton- it feel good? Like, isn't that, it's a funny thing, but when we got the book, we were both like, you know, having it in your hands after so much work, but then touching it and the fact that we, you know, we had to make all those big decisions, glossy, matte, all those different decisions and, and going with a matte cover, we thought we would see and, and we just love it because the book feels so good, doesn't it in your hand? It does. And it's still sort of surreal. Like there's a book on my gardening bookshelf with my name on it. That's right. Speaking about the book, Um, I was just thinking back to Nadia's questions. One of my favorite parts of the book is what you wrote. You uh, spent some time writing uh, The Skinny on Cedars, I believe Uh it's it's called. Yeah, The Skinny on Upright Cedars, page 52. Um, So Joanne took some time and went through some of the classic types of upright cedars uh, that we're going to see. Some of the challenges with the different species and cultivars. Uh, white cedars, black cedars, uh, the emerald, the different pyramid cedars. Uh, So definitely if you're in the book and you've got some cedar questions or you're not quite sure, there's a great two-page spread on 
uh, mm-hmm. what to look for for your cedars. And even with, I have so many years in the garden centers, uh, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. There's always a cedar question mm-hmm. uh, coming through the door. So lots of great information uh, there on cedars as well. Nadia, because I know you bought the book. Uh, <laughs> That's so. right. Except Nadia, there, I didn't do, I ran out of time to do DeGroots. So there's no DeGroots in here, but we do use, I do use them in designs. Um, so we definitely still can help you with a picture. Uh, we definitely can help you with those. They, for those that don't know, um, they're, they're just much more tighter, much, much uh, more of a slower growing mm-hmm. um, cedar. So, um, so we really like them for those, you know, really tight spaces, yeah. uh, famous for things like, you know, next to when we get, you know, less than two feet around less than three feet around a pool <laughs> when you need to put in, in something. Um, so yeah, so DeGroote cedars come in handy. Um, they're a bit slower growing, but much, much tighter. Um, and, and they've got a really nice texture to them as well. So uh, a really nice feature. Yeah, I was going to say, again, that slow growing, but that beautiful, mm-hmm. dense texture of that foliage and that yeah. rich green is spectacular. Yeah. Yes. And since Matt, Matt plugged my section, when we, we most of it was together, but we just had to divide and conquer sometimes. But one oh, of yeah. the things in talking about June, another thing that's very popular right now is um, clem. You can say it very different ways, clematis <laughs> or clematis, depending on how you tomato, tomato. Um, and uh, lots of questions I see in social media and, and things like that. Um, people like, oh, oh, it's not blooming. Oh, oh, it, it's wilting. Um, do I cut it back? Don't I cut it back? Um, it still has last year's growth on it. Will I cut out the blooms? So clematis can be very, one of the more challenging, I think, um, uh, plants in our gardens, right? Like, uh, because there's three different groups of them. It's not just one way you treat them. So, so the important thing, so Matt does a great job of explaining the three different groups and what to do when um, with those groups, right? That's right. And if you're not quite sure what group your clematis falls into, definitely just take a minute to quickly Google uh, the name of your cultivar, your clematis. If you have it. If you have it, if you remember what it is, it might've been an older one you've lost Mm -hmm. uh, and then just kind of see which, one it is and it'll tell you usually which group or type it belongs to mm-hmm. and then it, the pruning instructions are fairly easy as well yeah yes yeah. the time is flying by uh 7 holy moly andy i know oh. and this is fun and so far we're doing it okay <laughs> <laughs> third time's um. the charm that's right, right? that's right third time's <laughs> the charm so i'm just checking email um so John has said, how exciting this must be for you and your families. What a fantastic endeavor. Good luck with the sales and thank you for the information. You're welcome, John. And I hope you get a chance to buy it as well and, and let us know what you think. So thank you very much for your support. We've got yeah. some great listeners. You guys have always come up with some great questions. And considering we had last, last week's was a Q&A, or last week of May was our Q&A episode. Um, so that's great that we get some more questions tonight. We do. Like Jim's question, also in the email, uh, Jim has written in and says, Hi, Joanne and Matt. What's the best way to test the pH of our garden soil? Thank you for this information. Another great spread on how to do a soil test and look for uh, your NPK as well as your pH levels. Uh, Page 35 in May in the book, if you've got (laughs) it. Uh, But yeah, Jim, there's a few occur, a couple common ways you'll find in the garden centers or or, uh, big box store garden centers as well. You can do a little soil test kit. So you get four little vials and a little pill and you get some soil from a few different spots in your yard or your garden. You put them in the tube and you add some water with the pill and uh, shake them up, give them some time to change color. And then they'll come with a little graph based on the darkness of each of the color, Mm -hmm. usually uh, like a yellow, a dark green, an orange, and a purple, uh, you'll get you'll get your pH reading, but you'll also get the reading of your uh, macronutrients, your nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium if you choose to do that. Another way to do it too is you can always pick up one of the uh, ten or fifteen dollar pH meters as well. And so basically, as long as you want to make sure the soil is moist uh, to wet, and you take the pH medial and meter, and you're going to put the probe into the soil. And you'll see the little gauge, kind of like the speedometer. Uh, it'll pop up or back or forth, depending on where your pH is. So it'll kind of move to the right if it's higher than seven, or it'll drop down if it's uh, lower than seven. And it'll give you that range as well. And mm-hmm. a great 
thing to know about your gardens, if you haven't tested your soil or your pH, you might be applying too much of mm -hmm. a fertile of one of the yeah. nutrients, the NPK. Uh, if your pH dictates the um, way that those nutrients can be locked or unlocked in the soil solution for your plants to uptake. So if you have an issue uh, and you know, oh, I've got an issue, I've added more fertilizer, it might be that you've added too much fertilizer mm -hmm. uh, and the salts are pulling away the water and things are being locked. So definitely something worth checking out. Again, that was one of your sections in the book. Uh, you went and did a soil test that mm -hmm. Joanne takes you right through all the, the steps of one of those little uh, soil test kits that you can buy in the garden. That's right. That's right. And if you do think you have something, let's say, really wrong in your soil, let's say you just moved in and there was something you're not sure what was planted there and you've got some concerns or an area where nothing is growing or something like that, you can take it a level higher and actually look into like the University of Guelph or some where you actually send the soil, you know, then you can send it to the scientists. So you can, you can be, you know, your volunteer scientist yourself at yes. home if, if for your basic things. But if you've got a real genuine concern about possible contamination, I know some people once the, I've had a client once when her, um, you know, the old railroad tracks, you know, the railroad ties oh, yeah, in her garden, ties. you know, when she had them removed, but she wanted to make that garden a vegetable garden. So she was worried about the contamination. Um, so then, then you can definitely invest in sending it, you know, that's important, right? If you're, especially if you're Apparently. growing food, you can, you can go ahead and send that away. Um, so you can Google that uh, University of Guelph is the first one that pops into my mind. And then they can do a different type, you know, a higher level test. Um, for, for that type of thing. So yeah, getting to know your soil, we need to do more shows about getting to know your soil, don't we? Because that is, it is the foundation of everything really. It is. And you know what, it's, it can get, it's fairly scary. They are saying that we've only got about 36 harvests left before the soil uh, across the face of the earth dies oh, and yeah. no longer supports plant life. So soil, I, I always equate it to our organs, right? Healthy insides, healthy outsides, how it affects our moods. Same thing goes with the plants, that microbial life, those interactions, that health mm -hmm. of that plant. Uh, it really boils down to a beautiful, healthy, active, living soil. Wow. That was kind of depressing, Matt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Towards the end with a darker note. <laughs> that was like pretty dark. Let's, let's bump it up in positivity. Alexis has written in and uh, she said to the Down the Garden Path people, congratulations, make this book number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. Blessings. Well, thank you very much. I don't know that, I don't know if gardening books are on the New York. I never even thought of that, but well, um, it's I'm just happy to be reviewed and, and to be found on Amazon. So thank you very much, Alexis. Um, yes. Yeah, so we'll work towards that. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely work towards that for sure. For sure. So yeah, so what else is happening in everybody's June garden? We've got a couple minutes left. Any other questions you might have? Um, I'm, we haven't had a lawn question yet, Matt, what should everybody be doing in their lawn? <laughs> <laughs> what should you be doing in your lawns? Um, yeah, that's a big question. But yeah, right now we're kind of approaching that time where uh, one of the biggest questions we always get asked are about nematodes or grubs in the lawn. Mm -hmm. We're reaching that point, depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. uh, the soil has been pretty warm. Our grubs, they are still being seen out in the lawns, but they are also the point where they're starting to uh, pupate chrysalis uh, and become harder where the nematodes will no longer have an effect. So if you think you've got those grubs, don't forget, dig in that little one by one square foot, pull up that hatch of grass, and look for those white grubs. If they're still there, you can apply nematodes. If they're not, they're probably higher in the soil and they've pupated or, or they're starting to leave. But our Japanese garden beetles are definitely strong and on the move again in mm -hmm. our area. Okay. Uh, but don't wait, don't forget, you can wait again to fall to apply your nematodes okay. uh, if you miss. And if you haven't done your spring fertilizer uh, yet, now's a great time to do that as well. It's still cool out. Grass is getting lots of moisture growing actively. Uh, so our spring is good and our summer is on the way mm -hmm. in uh, mid to end of July. So mm -hmm. still lots of cutting and mowing and feeding that we can still be doing for sure. Yes. And mow high, everybody. Your lawn will do better throughout the season. Keep it high. That's right. We talk about that in the book. We want to make sure, uh, especially in the northern areas, we grow cool season grasses which means that they like those temperatures about 16 to 20 or 22 degrees Celsius. And uh, when it gets warmer than that, or we get that hot, hot humidex, uh, when it's short, those crowns, that point of growth point is on the soil surface. 
it heats up and it starts to shut down and go dormant. Uh, so we get that nice browning out. So keeping it high keeps it shaded and protects the soil from the sun and the wind from drying out and keeps your grass actively growing. That's your trick to that nice lush green summer. Remember you go to a park, uh, the city cuts it a little higher. You can mm -hmm. always get in, you sit down and your fingers go into that nice lush grass and you can feel how cool it is. That's your three inches or more. That's what's keeping that grass green. Yeah. Another question, we've got Frank, just as we're running in towards the end of our, our show. Thank you again, everybody, for writing in your wonderful questions. As always, thank you for those who have joined us uh, on Facebook Live. At Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there, as well as on Instagram. And uh, you'll be able to review this as well. But don't forget to join the group. Say hi, share your pictures, your photos. We answer lots of questions and share lots of great material there when we're off the air. Frank has written in, though. Hi, Joanne and Matt. Congrats on the book. And thank you very much. Frank says, a gross question. Uh, is pet poo, dog or cat, good fertilizer for our plants? Uh -huh. Thank you. And the answer is no, because it's still active and fresh. When we add uh, manure to our gardens, we want to be adding composted manure. So it has been heated up, it's been broken down and treated by the bacteria and the temperature in which the compost gets so that all the harmful bacteria and other diseases that are in the, the poop or the frass uh, is the insect poop word, uh, it breaks down and it is no longer harmful. So you, that's why you'll always see your sheep and cow manure and it usually has composted sheep and cow manure. So the danger part is always gone. Uh, from that cow manure. The mm -hmm. nutrients have been released and are available now in the compost. Uh, all that poop and pee, just like our, on our, our lawns when our dogs go out, you always get the little yellow spots, uh, that high, high nitrogen. We can burn our plants and it becomes dangerous to us as well. So excellent. Thank you for the question, Frank. Joanne, it looks like you just kind of had an aha moment. I did. Yes, I did have an aha moment because I thought he was going with with the spot prevention. So yeah, so I was just in a in I was out of town uh, this weekend and I stopped into a nursery. You know, of course, when you're out of town in a new area of Kitchener, I was visiting and stopped at, an, at a nursery and they sold something called and I thought, Matt, we definitely have to look for it to do maybe a show about it because it's another question that I get asked a lot about people that own dogs and, and why they can't maintain really nice uh, lawns. Um, so a dog spot preventer, 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 oh my goodness, lawn fertilizer. So it's called Evolve. So I don't know much about it, but I took a picture of it to show you and see. So I'd love to know if any of our listeners have a solution for um, their dog lawn issues, um, or if they're interested in us doing a show, because I think that's a big one of pets, you know, animals and what animals eat and what animals do. I've got some digging, you know, I've had digging questions. I'm working on a design right now where we're actually doing a sand pit. Um, the dogs, the greyhounds like to dig. And so the owners in their previous home had a sand pit. So that's where the dogs went to do their digging. And um, so I've designed another yard for that, a yard for them and incorporated. So, you know, there's all these solutions on how to manage our pets and our landscapes, right? Um, so, yeah, so that's where I, when I, when I heard his question, I was like, oh no, I think I found the product, but uh, <laughs> that was a great, wasn't quite the exact same answer, but uh, it was a great answer, Matt. So thank you. So you bring up a point about just, you know, there's lots of different solutions as we round out the last few minutes of the show and of our Facebook live. Um, that's one of the things that we say in the book as well, is that there are a lot of solutions out there. Mm -hmm. And this is the tips and timely advice based on our many years yes. of experience and training and expertise uh, in in our hort journey, our horticulture mm -hmm. journey, hort is short for horticulture. Uh, for those of you who don't know, so you may find a different way of doing things, and um, you know what we say, you may have tried and doesn't work in your area, and that is perfectly fine. Yeah, this is just based on our experience, and we hope that we can help you out as well. So, mm -hmm. and if you do have something that works better, we love to hear it. We gardening is a very social activity. Everybody's doing different things, has different yards, different microclimate and different experiences. And uh, I think that's one of the things that I love most about, uh, you know, hort societies and other colleagues and coworkers is learning mm -hmm. what's working for them and what tips and tricks they have. So 
um, gardening is always changing and growing and evolving. So yeah, yeah let us know what you want to hear about. Maybe there's some great show ideas or some posts that we can be making. And pardon me, some research that we could be doing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, no, great point. They, there's this uh, no way do we say this is the only way to do things yeah. in our book. Um, we know there's lots of information on on uh, online and in other books, um, but yeah, this is our experience, and we both have you know varied experience, varied education in, in the field, and uh, and so you know, and best practices we constantly and we've talked about that on the show. Matt is in his gardening on his balcony, me my gardening um, at my home, as well as with my clients. So. So definitely we did our best to uh, provide you with uh, the, the advice that we, we really feel good about. And uh, um, but we will always, I'm sure there'll be a different revision of the book when we find out something else, right? Uh, so yes, and as seasons change and climate changes and plants change too. So, so we thank you everyone as we are winding down the t- our time always flies. Don't we say that? It flies. So quickly, every mm-hmm. single week. <laughs> I know, I know. And we've been doing this a long time and we can say that. So, uh, so yeah, so we thank everybody for taking this time out uh, to listen to us either here live or later on uh, on a podcast. And uh, and exciting that you joined us Facebook Live-wise. And I'm hoping it turned out okay because it's, it's kind of hard to do both. Um, but we really appreciate your support and your listening each week. Uh, we really do. We really enjoy helping you keep your gardens as low maintenance as possible. Right, Matt? That's right. Thank you, everybody, again, for tuning in live as well as Facebook Live. We loved interacting with you there. Thank you, everybody, who sent us the wonderful questions. And don't forget to tune in next week here on Reality Radio 101 as we have a brand new episode of Down the Garden Path. Uh, uh, and don't forget to check out past episodes of Down the Garden Path podcast your favorite podcast provider thank you gary and mike for helping us put on the facebook live and we will see everybody and talk to everybody next week take care okay, bye thank you for listening to down the garden path with your host joanne shaw and matthew dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.